Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? I am fantastic. Um, as we speak, I'm taking a wine quiz on what wine best fits my taste. Don't ask me how I found it. I have no idea, but here we are. Was that the promoted, was it a promoted tweet? I think it was. Was it? Dude, I've, I've seen like 15 oh, of those. And I, I keep wanting to. You should take it. I keep wanting to click built it. built an algorithm that uses a seven-question quiz. <laughs> to, why does it have to be MIT? I feel like they should be doing something other than making wine algorithms. But I almost yeah, it's like they lose credibility when they've gone to a good school, and now what they're doing is creating <laughs> wine quizzes. <laughs> I want somebody from like a party school. I want somebody who went to like Miami of Ohio or something. Someone went to JMU and they just like alcohol. <laughs> Right. Thank you. Those are my people. Uh, How does this segue into what we're talking about at all? I I don't know. Maybe we don't have to drink away our pain of men's basketball? Yeah. Perfect. That was good. That was good. Yeah, so men's basketball, they're 13-16, and 6-10 in the conference. They had a huge win over Hofstra, so they've won three out of their last four and four out of their last six. They won that game in dramatic fashion. Matt Lewis hit a buzzer beater, descended into overtime, ended up winning 104-99. to This is the second time this season they've scored 104 points. Um, both wins, obviously. That'd be really <laughs> embarrassing if they weren't. But a good win, a good win. They have a legitimate chance to get out of the bottom four seeds and into the first six, which will give them a chance to avoid the the first round of the CAA tournament, which would be a big deal. Um, we've talked about it before. I know you mentioned it a few times that no team has ever won four games in four nope. days in that. So if they want to win it, they kind of, in terms of history, they kind of have to get out of that that round. So what are your thoughts on that Hofstra win? Um, I had already written that game off as an, a loss before that game happened yeah. uh, throughout the game. What I think we were texting about it. And yeah. They were up at some huge number and then to start half 20 points in the first four minutes of the second half. And I was like, ah, there it is. That's what we've been waiting for. And I didn't think that. And then from there, I think I just completely tuned the game out. I was like, it's over. 
it was a fun run for a good first half. But then all of a sudden I see Twitter start blowing up about Matt Lewis's buzzer beater. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then got on SportsCenter top 10. So that was a game. Yeah, it was it was pretty nuts. And it's it's interesting because they've got Elon and William Mary left, which are both winnable games. Very winnable. Um, at scenario. home. And they're, and they're a right, good right. team at home. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, I mean, they do have a chance to really turn the season around. And I, I had a tweet, I guess, what, almost a week ago now, um, where I said, bearing a really, or barring a really strong finish to the, the season, winning two of three and making at least the CAA semifinals, I can't envision Rove returning as Jamie's head coach next season. He's a tremendous guy and Jamie's supporter, but all logic tells me the Dukes go in a different direction. So what I will say there is I think they're on pace to have a really strong finish. So I think that at this point, from what I'm looking at, it does make sense for him to come back. And I do think that they probably will bring him back. Um, I think I had another tweet. Yeah. Like following up, there's a little conversation on that tweet and there's a little thread. Um, but I had said something about like, you know, it's kind of hard to bring him back if they finish below 500. And I think that's somewhat true, but I do think there's a massive difference between finishing. Let's say they win the next two, they're 15 and 16. Let's say they get out of the bottom four. They win one game in the CA quarterfinals. They're 16 and 16. They end up losing in the CA semifinals going 16 and 17. To me, that's a six-win improvement. I know the schedule is easy, but that looks a little bit better. And I think Bourne can kind of sell that to fans that, like, Roe deserves one more year with, with next year's recruiting class. Yeah, I think, I think it speaks volumes that when they had 12 wins, or maybe it was even 10, I, we were on the podcast, and I said – they're not winning another game. They're going to finish at this mark for the season. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad they proved me wrong because that would have been a low mark. But this has been a strong finish to the season. And, yeah, like you said, I think Roe comes back for another year because I think we talked about it on the podcast earlier on in the season that he comes back no matter how the season does. It's all about how they finish. And sports fans and and born and and people i feel like have short memories of they remember now what you said four of six and have the potential to win out their win out these last two at home and have a solid run in the championship and if he does that everyone will forget about the terrible loss to fordham everyone will forget about the terrible loss to odu and that ugly middle of the season run and they'll just remember the end and the hope and there's that word again with this men's basketball team the hope. Exactly. Yeah. It's all kind of about building that success and sort of building excitement among fans. The one thing I will say is I still think, and I've talked about this before, and I think a lot of people have disagreed is I do still think he's on the hot seat personally, just because for me, when you say like, if somebody said, and a bunch of media people have said this, a bunch of fans have said that, that like, he's definitely safe to me. When you say that he's definitely safe, that means he could lose the rest of the games this season and still come back. And I don't think that's true. If he goes 13 and 18, loses to Elon and William Mary at home, and then he loses in the first round of the CAA tournament, they'll be 13 and 19 with a 6 and 12 CAA record and another first round exit. And I don't think you can say that he's definitely coming back if that happens. I think that he would 100% be on the chopping block. I don't know that he would necessarily leave or, or get fired, but I think that that would certainly be something that would stand out. And I think that it's at least worth considering sort of the future for this team and, and all those things. Cause I knew I had a lot of people on Twitter that were sort of disagreeing and saying, well, all right, well, if you get rid of him, then all the players would transfer. <laughs> it's like, well, 
<laughs> the reason, I mean, the reason you <laughs> fired Matt Brady, and this is my big thing, they fired Matt Brady after they won 21 games because they couldn't get past the CAA quarterfinals. And they were sick of being a middle-of-the-road team. They wanted to become a great mid-major. Well, they're worse now. They're far Right, so they're not – right, they're not a better team. So they're worse. They've underachieved in three consecutive seasons, even right now, 13 and 16 against the schedule. And, and with the talent on the roster, too. Like, yeah, they're young, right. but they're a talented roster. And it just seems like maybe the Hofstra game's different. Maybe we're seeing something turn around since they're four of their last six. Maybe something's clicked, but something hasn't been clicking with this roster and the coaching staff. Right. And I think the thing that, that stands out to me is like, when they win these big games, they shoot like crazy. Like they shot 90% from the free throw line in this game. They shot like 50% from three and 50% from the floor. And that's just, you can't do that consistently. So it's, it's like people are always like, oh, they clicked and they found something. Well, no, they just yeah. made shots. Like there's a difference between running great offense and developing great shots and just having a really athletic team hit a lot of shots. And I feel like at times, Jamie is just making a lot of shots. So for me, I think he is still on the hot seat. I think he's still has to win some games. And I think that that's fair. I mean, you look at every other CAA program, swimming and diving just won another championship. Lacrosse is the national championship team. You know, football has been great. Women's basketball is really good. There's really not any Jamie programs that's are, that are just sputtering except for men's basketball, which is so important. And looking at the, like the overall win percentage, I think I saw this last weekend for the, for every team, this academic year is yeah i think it's 65 percent. they're winning 65 percent of their games mm-hmm. and that's getting pulled down a little bit with the 13 and 16 mark not as bad as it's been in years past but jmu has right. been the best athletic achieving team in the state of virginia i believe since i got to jmu so i think my friend so through three years or well, about to be four years if they can do it this year but yeah, everyone else is doing so well. That that has to put a tremendous amount of pressure on Bourne to make the men's basketball team into a contender. And going back to that point about if they get rid of Roe, all the everyone's going to transfer out. You know, granted they didn't get rid of Houston, but Houston left, and I haven't heard of one person transferring out. The majority right. of the recruits stayed, and. As as cliche and as overdone as it is, JMU is a different type of place. Granted, probably every college is, but like, yes, they they made it may have committed for the coach and they really connected with the coach. But now they're into their major, they're into the the school of JMU. So I think you have to also think of that when it comes to transferring. Are they just going to follow a coach blindly, go to another school? Or are they going to stay where they know, where they have roots, and where they have friends? Right. I mean, I think that's something that, that stands out to me, too. And, of course, you know, football is a better program in terms of wins. But a lot of what they do is just going to the school, like you mentioned. They're at that school. They're connected to the school. They like the school. I think it's just purely speculation when people say, like, oh, well, everyone's going to transfer. And also, at the end of the day, like, and I'm not advocating for him to get fired or or, or not. I mean, it's you know, obviously not my say or something, but I mean, I just think that people need to like, look at the facts and that's what frustrates me so much is people, they see the Hofstra win and they're like, wow, like this team's turned around. It's like, well, have they turned around or did they just shoot really well? And it's also, you can't ignore the fact that Hofstra has played like crap the last yeah. three games. Towson, Towson took them to overtime 
at Hofstra too. And Ta- nobody would tell you that Towson's a good team or Oh no, Towson's but wor- Jam- Towson could is arguably right. worse than JMU. I think so, yeah. And that's what's crazy to me is like people don't look at those things. They don't look at the overall record. They just look at like what happened recently and they're like, wow. And this recruiting class is exciting. It's like every recruiting class has been exciting and they don't win. So I think that I don't know. <laughs> I do think he's going to come back. And I think this Hofstra one was actually huge for him, sort of just building momentum and exciting fans. I think if they win the next two, they have a really good chance to get to 16 and 16. If they win a CA tournament game, they will be. So I think that there's a good chance that he does stay just because the recruiting class and all those things. But I mean, me personally, and just sort of what I feel, I feel like there hasn't been enough talk about, well, where is this program going and what are the program's goals? Because if the program really wants to be a mid-major contender, one of the best mid-majors in the country, which I don't think is crazy to kind of have that as a goal. Oh, no, not at all. Well, then you... Right, especially with the new arena. Well, you're getting a new arena. That's got to be a goal. You have a strong... Maybe we're just overanalyzing the roster, but from what I yeah. see, I feel like you have a really strong core that's going to open up right. the new arena. If you can just turn a corner, whether that is with Roe, I'm not advocating for it without Roe, like you said, whether that's right. with Roe or not with Roe, this team is poised to become a, a contender. And the CAA, I mean, back when it had Mason, it had um, – did, did it have Richmond in this basketball I think but so. When it was that so. power, the CAA power. VCU was in the CAA for basketball. Yeah. Like, the CAA is a pretty respected conference. So, if you can make it out of there, you start to kind of put your name on the map and maybe compete with the A10 for a good mid major conference, even. Right. And I mean, I'm not saying they need to be like Gonzaga, who's like a top five team nationally. <laughs> I think that would take a while. But even if you look at Gonzaga, Gonzaga's basketball history up until like, the late 90s was terrible. And then they ended up getting a couple of good coaches and Mark Few stayed there and, and really built them into a powerhouse. And it might take two decades, but it's, it's why is your goal not to become a powerhouse? Why is your goal not to become a great you know, team? Because I think that people are getting way too caught up in like the potential of this team. Because here's the thing with Roe. So it's his third season. I would say, and I think that most people would probably agree if they look at it like this, his first season, he inherited seven seniors, and they won 10 games after winning 21 the year before. I'm not saying they would have won 21 because they lost Ron Curry, which definitely hurt, but I would say they underachieved that year. Last season, with all these young players, they had so many close games, and they just never could get over that hump. And I would say that that was an underachieving year. And this year, against this schedule, with this roster, which I think is, is great, I think it has the potential to be one of the best teams in the conference. You saw the way they played at Hofstra. They're 13 and 16. And to me, it's just year after year after year, they haven't reached their potential. So at some point, you get to the point where you're saying, you know what, maybe Roe isn't the guy that can help us reach our potential. And I think that's worth having a conversation about. And I also do completely understand giving him a fourth year to see if that's actually the case. Yeah, because when you, for, for me, when I look at his year by year, I kind of throw out that first year, mainly because that was like you said, seven seniors, seven guys that weren't necessarily all in on Rose philosophy, but then still underachieved only getting 10 wins did get a first round win in the CAA men's basketball championship. The only CAA tournament win that he has, which he was only there for a half of, but uh, (laughs) he didn't really coach that game. (laughs) Um, his next two years yeah they're underachieving this year they underachieved last year and this was the year that 
I mean, you you heard me, jeez, last semester, singing their praises, and I was so high on this team because of all of their potential and hard, hard underachieved this season. I mean, but I think Roe doesn't doesn't necessarily deserve a third year, but it's going to get a third, a four, excuse me, fourth year. And then I think that's when the questions will really start coming down. But then you're starting to get into questions of, do they want to open a new arena with a brand new coat? Right. Some people are really excited about that idea. And I was like, that sounds so risky that, Because if you get another 10-win season, you've lost all of your, your momentum that you had. Because at least with Roe, there's hope. Like, there's the potential. You think they, they're going to do great things. But with a new coach, you have no idea. And who are they going to get? What coach? What great assistant from a, a Power 5 school or somewhere like that is going to come down here? Or, like, is there even one that will come to, to Harrisonburg? Right. I think that's going to be the, one of the issues. Is like if you fire Roe, you're, you're paying, you know, the rest of his contract. And you've also kind of got to kind of wonder who are you going to get. The one thing that's – that's interesting is I know the sports blog guys I was listening to their podcast today and they talked about, you know, having no idea who they would get and sort of understanding more who football would have. And I feel like that's kind of a, kind of a, an inaccurate comparison. It doesn't really make a ton of sense because like if you asked a random person or, or most people to name one power five assistant coach in college basketball, I honestly don't know that I could give you yeah. one. Like, you know what I mean? So like there are all these coaches out there that like a search firm would be able to find. That's true that a normal fan wouldn't find. So I do think they could bring someone in, but they're paying row 275,000. I think if they want to bring in a legit assistant, they'd have to pay like 400,000. And I'm not sure Bourne's ready to do that. I, yeah. I think to pay out big bucks, you need to have a, a winning program. Like they'll pay for football because they know it'll return itself. Exactly. But right now, I mean, even exactly. the students aren't even involved in basketball. I mean, it's, Basketball, <laughs> yeah. Even my freshman and sophomore year, basketball games were kind of fun to go to. Now they're kind of dead. Yep. Yeah, it's really it's really gone downhill. I think that's a concern too. But I I do think that just sort of looking over it more, I think he's going to get a fourth year. But I'm also kind of like, you know, what's going to be the the barometer for a successful fourth year? Like, because I know, and I'll have to look this up and see if there was actually um a quote that said it, or if I'm making this up in my mind, but I thought there was something that, um, that Bourne had said to like Brady in his last season. That was basically like, you make the semifinals or like you're gone. It was something like that, that I, that I think was sort of on the table. And then obviously he lost in the quarterfinals and they looked like crap against, I think it was William and Mary. So, I mean, I think there is some pressure on the CAA tournament still. And I feel like most people aren't, aren't agreeing with that, but, I think there's some pressure. I do think he probably gets another year, which I think that that's fair to him. I mean, he loves JMU. He's brought in some really talented recruits. Like maybe he does give you that fourth year, but it's also important on the other hand to realize that, you know, the team is 33 and 61 under him. And that's, it's not really a fluke. Yeah. You could say it's a fluke after one year. Can't really say it after a second. Right. You surely can't say it after a third. He's sitting right. at 13 and, this... and 16. He could finish the season. Four, 15 and 16, but he just as easily could finish the season 13 and 18 and 6 and 12 in mm -hmm. conference. That's the other thing. I don't think I said this yet. I was looking through the, the stats and 
I think people have almost assumed, and I think I'm guilty of this too, that JMU is like, okay, they just beat Hofstra. They're going to come out on fire and they're going to win the next two because they're winnable and they'll be 15 and 16 and going in on this run. And I think there's a, there's a real potential of that. And I think everybody agrees with that. The other thing is that JMU has already lost to every CAA team this season. So, like, there's no reason to believe they can't lose to Elon and William and Mary because they already have. Like, so they easily could lose those two and they could easily lose early in the conference tournament. Like, we just don't know. So I think that we'll, we'll know more after the next two, three, maybe four if they keep winning games. But it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And at the very least, the Hofstra game makes the rest of the season significantly more exciting, at least from my point. Oh, without a doubt. Quick fun fact as I'm scrolling through their schedule. They've lost to every single CAA team. And the only one they didn't beat this season, this is, of course, me assuming they're going to beat Elon and William & Mary because of the stat I'm about to get. Yeah. They're one and one with every other team. <laughs> That's hilarious. Is it Northeastern? Northeastern, they're and... 0 and 2 against, but they just beat Delaware. They just beat Drexel. Beat Towson, beat UNCW, beat College of Charleston. They just beat Hofstra. Yep. So they started with the two that would be That would be pretty funny if they, <laughs> they won the last two. <laughs> And they're one and one against eight of them. It'd be the first three game win streak of the season against D one opponents. Yeah, D one. Yeah, and they've still yet to have those four straight against D one. So it'd be it'd be crazy if they could pull it off in the conference. <laughs> At this point, but... they may finish the season. You know, who knows? On a what a seven game win streak. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they could they could go on a run. You never know. I mean, they've looked they've looked a little bit better recently, and I'm, I'm interested to see how they come out. Like, Elon's a team that is bad. So I think Thursday will, will tell us a lot. If they come out fired up and they, you know, put it on Elon, I think that could could kind of show that, all right, maybe they are making a little bit of a move forward. I just don't get why you wouldn't come out. I know they always do come out, quote-unquote, fired up, but sometimes it doesn't look like that. I just don't get how you'll right. come out and attack the basket just hard, Every game you start, like, I'd be fired up. But also, then again, this is why my job isn't on the court. But. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, because you're right. There are games where, like, the way they looked against Hofstra in terms of, like, how hard they were playing. And even, like, games earlier Charleston, this season, they sort of have a, yeah, they have a different edge. Like, I know it's hard to, go, like, hit your first 18 million shots, it seemed like they did against Charleston. <laughs> and, like, right. you're not always going to open up games like that. But. Why not just be quick to start the game? Quick cuts, lots of off-ball movement. When you have all that energy, build the lead then, and then from there, right. things can fizzle out. But, again, I'm not a coach. I'm merely an armchair coach. No, but JMU, when they um, they were leading Hofstra 40-32, to 32, I think, at halftime, and they were 2 of 10 from 3 in the first half. And they still had 40 points and were up they, 8 because they were really – attacking the rim it's like when they do that and they drive a little bit and they're not afraid to run Darius Banks was into it after missing the Northeastern game with an illness he looked good Matt Lewis was obviously great I mean when they do do that and they're fired up and energized they can be really fun to watch and this is a side note I don't know if the listeners have picked this up if you have picked it up let us know at our Twitter at JMU Sports News nice little plug there and I don't know if you've noticed this either Bennett but it seems like they're off. They they've kind of changed something in their offense. When they bring it up, when they get in their half court offense, instead of just having their their one kind of dribble it out at the top and just dribble the air out of the ball, they'll start passing it around yeah. the top, around the arc, 
until they can find that cutter, or they'll just throw it down to Dwight, who will then bully his way down. I saw it again. It was really evident in the Delaware game. I didn't catch much of Northeastern and Hofstra in live game, but it seemed like that yeah. was more of their goal was to this instead of having someone dribble, 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 they just pass it around. Yeah, I think the thing that impressed me, you bring up the Delaware game, is you're right. They weren't afraid to go to go to Dwight Wilson, who had 14 points and 12 rebounds in that game. And I think that game before, it was when he had, like, the crazy against Drexel. He had, like, well, like 20 I and 18 think, yeah. or something crazy. So, I mean, he looked good. But what impressed me is they were 7 of 18 from 3. So it's only 38% from 3. And for the game, they shot 51% from the floor because they were just going at the rim and they weren't afraid to attack the basket. Mosley took 11 threes, but other than that, they weren't taking a lot of threes. And I don't think you can really be upset with Mosley taking threes. If one guy's going to jack threes, it might as well be Stucky. But yeah, no, I mean, we can move on to women's basketball. But I mean, I'm interested to see how this team does the rest of the year. And I will say that. I will say that going into the Drexel game, a few games ago, I was not excited for the end of the men's basketball season. So kudos to Coach Rowe and, and the team for continuing to fight. Yeah, I mean, and who knows? Two wins, they could be out of the bottom four, and they could have themselves a slightly easier path, maybe. But the hope has been my word of the day for this men's basketball team. Hope is still there, and the potentiality, let's go with that as a word, it is there for them to finish the season. But you just said Jack in threes. You want Stucky to do that. Here's the segue into women's hoops. You know who you want Jack yes. in threes? Yes, 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 yes. I knew you were doing this. And she started hitting them. <laughs> Jackie Benitez. Yeah, you gotta you got to talk about Benitez because you've been talking about her all year and she finally had a breakout performance. When she hurt, it's just so smooth. Every time she puts up a shot, in my mind, I'm like, that's going in. No doubt. That's, that's it. That's, and then... As of late, she's kind of been um, not doing that, I guess you could say. I'm pulling up her stats from the game now. I know she went off lots of points, was drilling everything that came her way. She kind of showed the flash that she had when she put up 11 points in five minutes against <laughs> Delaware State. But she was 6-15 right. of 15 against William & Mary, 6-13 of 13 from three, which now isn't a – wow number but shooting 46 percent, and that is her best output all season most three she's hit all season and just to put that into perspective two games prior against uncw she was one of 13 she was six and 13 six right. for 13 against william and mary three for three from the free throw line five rebounds i mean i think her game's finally coming together three of nine the game before against Elon from three, six of 13. I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, she looked great. And it was, it was fun to watch the highlight package. I didn't have a chance to watch the entire game, but I saw that she was going off and they played at William and Mary. And I think the announcers were sort of pro William and Mary, which makes sense to sort of like we sort of Kurtz obviously does a pretty good job compared to most of staying unbiased, but of course he, he wants to see Jamie do well. So I watching that broadcast and those highlights, Sort of, there were a lot of like offensive rebounds where they kind of kick it out to Jackie, and it seemed like the announcers were like, "Oh, Duke's missed a shot, and it's out to Benita." And, oh, and she <laughs> drills a three. It just like was deflating them the way that she effortlessly was drilling threes. So I mean, she's looked great recently. She's awesome. Kayla Cooper Williams has been really efficient. Kamaya Smalls is doing Kamaya Smalls things. Lexi Barrier has been a lot better than she was in the first few games of the season. I think she was a little yeah. banged up, but. The whole team looks – they look good. And this may sound dumb, and, and people say it all the time, and I don't really get it, but 
I think it really fits for Jackie that when she's on, she's on. Like, mm-hmm. like when her shot's falling, I don't think you could find a better three-point shooter in all of the league, in all of the CAA. However, when she's off, you'll go one for 13 and heavily <laughs> right. struggle. But when you have the likes of Kamaya, Lexi, Kayla down low, Devin Merritt, I think you're set. I think I think you'll be fine. Right. I mean, she scores at crazy clips. So she scored 21 points in 23 minutes. You talked about the – so, I mean, if she was playing, you know, closer to a full 40 minutes, she was on pace to score like 40 <laughs> points and take like 30 shots. Like she's really aggressive when she's out there. And you mentioned Delaware State. She scored 11 points in five minutes if you extrapolate that out, which obviously wouldn't make any sense, <laughs> but you multiply – five by eight to give her the full game. She was on, she was scoring it, you know, an 88 point per game pace, which is, of course, it's just five minutes, but like crazy when she's, you're right. When she's on, like she's really on and gives them a whole nother dynamic because you already have Kamai and Lexi. And then if you have Jackie, you know, <laughs> hitting a three every minute, it's kind of intense and really sort of impossible to defend. And they really are. You said dynamic. They really are a different team when she's on, like, Coach Definitely. O always talks about it, that that when she's on, their game plan is just so different. And when she's on the court, they're playing things differently. And we saw it come up big time in that 78-65 win against William & Mary to put them – I, I, is it Drexel that's right on their heels at, I believe, 13-2 and two in conference? Yeah, Drexel's won like 12 in a row, so they're like a, a game or a game and a half back or something like that. But yeah. I – it's it's JMU's conference to lose, and I don't I don't see them losing it. Maybe they might drop either. the Towson game though. Yeah, at Towson, that's going to be an interesting one Sunday. I guess it's good that they have a week to prep. But Towson took them to OT in the convo. They're pretty athletic, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then they have Drexel, who's a really good team at home, which is certainly helpful because JMU's got a home winning streak. It's like they're twenty or something like that at this point. Might be more. And um. Uh, Drexel's got a road winning streak of like 12 or 15 games too. So that'll be fun to watch kind of good versus good there. And then Delaware to close the season, this game, Jamie should win at home, but a couple good contests the rest of the way. It's, it's fun to see. I really enjoy watching this team. So, I mean, do you think they're going to win out? Do you think they're sort of, you kind of mentioned already the team to beat, or do you think Towson might actually clip them in that game? I think Towson might clip them in that game, but then they do then play Drexel the next game and, can right. kind of cement the CAA win with then two wins. So, I mean, the Towson game doesn't matter too much, but I – I would let me say it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped it, but I expect them to beat Towson. And then I think they're them beating Drexel and Delaware at the Convo. I just looked it up. They haven't lost at the Convo since they played a ranked Florida State team in December. Wow. Uh, it was very early December of 2017. Wow. That was like Precious Hall era. I think it was, uh, it was maybe, I, yeah, it was uh, last season. Oh, okay. The, okay. So just a just little a after. Little after. It was when, because last though. season they played. Oh, yeah, I forgot they played They played year. Tennessee and Florida State last year. That's wild. That's been a long time. <laughs> Full calendar year. They have not lost at the Convocation Center. Yeah, and there's no shame in losing to, like, a real solid oh, no. Florida State team either. And it was kind of a close – I mean, uh, 79-63. They were 13th ranked at the time. <laughs> wow. 
That is impressive. Speaking of impressive, Megan Good. That was, that was a great segue. I think we're getting the hang of this Thanks, segue. <laughs> <laughs> really Jamie Softball is 5-2. and two. Megan Good has obviously taken the field again. I can't remember if we had talked about her last podcast or if they've played all these games in between I think last they time we talked. played games but in these, this two-week gap. Okay. Yeah, no, but they're 5-2. and two. Megan Good looks pretty good. Obviously, Alexander's been really good. Um, their two losses were against Cal and Kentucky, which is, is really no shame in losing those games. They've got a good stretch coming up this, this weekend. Minnesota and Arizona are sort of the games that stand out. Both those teams are ranked. They also have Drake and Kent State, and then they have another tough week after that. But it's good to see them getting some tough games, and it's really cool to see that Megan Good really hasn't missed a step Yeah, Megan all. Good, um, she's pretty good. I, she's super that good. pun's been played out so many times, especially <laughs> this season. But what? She's hit three <laughs> home runs this season already? And so, let's, yeah. let's just look, let's take a peek at her at her ERA so far this season. Oh, not I'm on she... pace for what she normally is. Uh, 1.99 ERA. I like how I say that. Slacker. Yet that is a fantastic ERA. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> really good. It's interesting too because she's actually Odyssey's got slightly better stats. Of course, it's still super early in the season, but Odyssey Alexander's been tremendous in this. Yeah, circle. the only bad quote unquote bad game was the Cal game when she gave up six right. unearned runs. So it doesn't even go against her, and you can't really even blame her for that since they're the unearned. But Odyssey's had herself and and Peyton, but man, that that's a three headed monster. I don't think anyone in the CA wants to come up against. Yeah, and Peyton's struggled a little bit early on, but I mean, I think she's going to be super valuable when they play like CAA teams that are a little bit easier too, that gives her a chance to get more reps and make sure that Odyssey and Megan are rested. So it's going to be a, a fun season. It's it's interesting because softball's such a long season too, similar to baseball a little bit. So it's kind of, you know, these, these early season games where you're trying to get these big RPI wins. And then there's going to be a, you know, a, m- a month-long stretch, even a little more than a month where the Dukes are probably going to mercy rule like most of their opponents in conference play. So it's like most of the exciting games are honestly going to be in the next, probably in, you know, early to mid March. And then as it sort of moves to the end of March through the end of April and into early May, um, they're probably going to kill teams. I was counting. It looks like the last like 35 games or so 30 to 35 games on their schedule are all super winnable. So whatever they do in the non-conference is, it's going to be bonus on the end of and that resume. They mercy ruled Tennessee. Speaking of mercy ruled, <laughs> right. like what? How? Yeah, that's the, that's the team I mean, that just... mercy ruled you just a few months ago. You're now just laying it on them. Talk about a revenge game. They look, yeah, they look great, and they beat Oregon handily. I mean, they've been a really solid team so far this season. And Maybe it was Oregon. They good to see ruled. that the pitchers are doing well. Yeah, my, my bad. Oh yeah, Oregon, okay. They mercy ruled. Still beat gotcha, yeah. They still beat Tennessee yeah, handily, though, yeah. My fault. That, was, that was all on me. Oops. Well, it felt like a mercy roll well, after Kate, the spanking they took last season. Gordon in that game That's just what, yeah. hit three homers or something like that? <laughs> she, she, like, led off with an inside-the-park <laughs> home run and then hit two more homers. And in the game before, her final at-bat of that game was a home run. So across four consecutive at-bats, she hit entirely home runs, which is crazy. It's also... At some point, you'd think you'd not want to pitch to her, but I, I mean, guess, I guess you just, just do an intentional walk or something, or 
Right. Like, just put her on first and don't have to worry about the home runs. But, but I mean, again, we're not the coaches. We're just guys that talk about it. We would be such good armchair coaches. I guess we should get into that. What is the lead that Badley and Khalil oh, do right. in the your call you, thing? You, the year call <laughs> we'll sit on the couch. We'll sit on our couches and just absolutely tear up that league. That was that was interesting. Yeah, because there was that story about them yesterday, and then I didn't see any follow up. I have no idea what happened. Oh, neither do I. I, it, I think it. I guess they I played. Think it's a joke of a league, but what? I didn't say that. It's good for Abdullah and Latin. It's like. It's like five weeks long, yeah. But no, cool that they're cool that they're playing football. Um, yeah. Well, all right, baseball. Baseball won today. I don't know. If, Did if you, you see saw how this. they won? <laughs> yeah. Were no, you there? I wish I was. I just was following along, and I was like, "Oh, we're down going into the ninth. This is going to be a tough loss against this VMI team." And then I see TJX, the uh, sports director at WHSV, tweet, "Not every day you see a win like this." Walk off, hit by pitch, just, <laughs> just insane for a five-four win. They're seven and one in the season. They have one loss to Lafayette. Uh, we've got a really tough series coming up against at number eight Louisville, which pretty good chance to get swept there. But hopefully they'll be able to take one. I think that's probably they'd be fine taking one. But now, what have you seen so far? And do you think it's another hot start that's going to sort of flounder out a little bit as the schedule gets tougher? I hope my gasp plays well over. Um... Or more of a sigh plays well over the podcast. I, so I've been there. I was there for the Norfolk State doubleheader, well, the whole series, and then for one of the three Lafayette games. Against okay. Norfolk State, they were fantastic. Against, But Norfolk State's a bad team. Longwood, right. good win. I followed along that one. Lafayette, they really should not have dropped that second game. The Leopards mm-hmm. are not that good of a team. And then this VMI game, kind of a scare. Yeah. Uh, baseball is such a matchup game of who's their pitcher right. and how does your batters do with it. So many analytics. Sidebar, I think baseball is the only sport where if you did everything purely on analytics, you might be better off. So, but let, let's right. get back <laughs> to the topic. I think they can take one from Louisville. I think their pitching staff is good enough to shut down Louisville. I think Kevin Kelly, what which game would he start? He started the first game of Lafayette. So I think he'd start that Friday game against Louisville. I think if he can go six scoreless or maybe just allow one, I think the offense and the Trey Dabney, the fantastic freshman, and Kyle Novak can kind of get some offense going, maybe score two to three, and if their pitching staff – does what their pitching staff does, can shut them down. Yeah, and Kevin Kelly is a legit pro oh. prospect, so he's someone that is definitely Jamie's probably biggest weapon, I would think, at least in one of those games against and Louisville. And I have to find – where is he on here? Fantastic pitcher. Nick Robertson, kind of a, a relief role, closer kind of. Yeah. guy. He can pitch the heat. He's good. He's the one with uh... – yeah. The cowboy hat. Yeah, he's different. the cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> he is I think if if it was one inning on the line, I think I might go with Robertson over Kevin Kelly. He's that good. Yeah, I mean they've got some some talented pitchers. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how they do in that series. And then aside from the Cal State Fullerton Road series two, the rest of the schedule isn't all that bad. They end up playing 
VMI at some point the rest of the way. They've obviously got conference games, but they have some mixed in non-conference stuff that's not that hard. So, I mean, I do think they can keep winning, but I, I don't think they'll keep up like a 7-1 kind of pace. But, um, no, I think it has a chance to be a little bit better than last season. I think they can still get over 30 wins, but I think they'll probably be some sort of slow. Yeah. But I do think the pitching staff's legit. I think, I, yeah, they're not maintaining a 7-1 and one pace by no means. Right. I think things will get a little bit difficult when they start playing CAA teams and – kind of into that conference grind. They may steal one against Louisville, may steal one against Cal State. They might just steal one in the combined two series there. But Mm -hmm. I think they're – I think they're going to finish higher than their preseason rank. I think, what, they're sixth, fourth? I think they're sixth. In that range. I think they'll finish maybe top three in the CAA. I'll go – now go third. I think they're going to finish third in the CAA. Awesome. I mean, that'd be a great finish for them. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to see. And I think they've got certainly the pitchers. And it looks like some of the young hitters are really yeah, good, they too. They have a third baseman, Trey Dabney, fantastic so far for them. But, yeah, their pitching staff is so, so scary. That's the dream. Good pitchers. Helps you win Let's a lot see of how games. you're going to segue this one into the next uh, topic. Speaking of pitchers, Shelly Clays Bauckham threw out a first pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Was that in a baseball game? Yeah, because they haven't had a home softball game yet. Yeah. She threw out a first pitch (laughs) at a baseball game before JMU's home opener. I can't remember the home opener. High point. High point. And they won that game. So now they are three and one. They have a win over what? UConn, too? And uh, Virginia Tech. So three and one after a, a tough season opening loss to UNC. What are your thoughts of, of the bounce back? They seem like they're kind of finding their stride and, and look sort of the part of a top. Yeah, I think they're, they're fine. I think they they played North Carolina, the number two ranked team in the nation, and then the Virginia Tech game got them back and under control. And I think UConn and now High Point, the UConn game. I don't think we had a podcast after this game. It was tied. At yeah. half, and then they go on a 10 0 run to, to start the second half and win by a final of 18 to 9. That was a fantastic way to get that game going. But yeah, I think now that they're 3 0 after that opening loss, nerves have been settled. Everyone knows their role, and they're going to go on a nice little run this season. Yeah, I think they're really solid too. And I don't know how to pronounce this team that they play Friday, but Canassus? it's like it's both. Yeah, something like that. They're bad. So how bad? <laughs> to put it to put it bluntly. So JMU, I would like hide the kids for this game. Like it might get really bad. So I was looking at their their schedule, and <laughs> it's really bad. They're zero and three on okay. the season. Okay. They have their second game of the year was an overtime defeat, eleven to ten at Robert Morris. No shame Good there. Tough Good defeat. They also played They played Notre Dame in the season uh-huh. opener. Can you guess the score of this game? Okay, so I'm looking at the team comparison averages. They average only 6.67 <laughs> points a game. They allow 17.3. If their loss was 11, that means this one. I'm going to go 3 to 25. It was 20, 21 to oh! 4. And they also played... They played Northwestern on Monday, and that was twenty to six. 
Northwestern's ranked number four, number five, which seems very similar to what JMU is doing. So I think there's a legitimate chance JMU wins by 15 goals. So oh. they should be four and one and probably going to get very ugly on Friday. Wow. Uh, good for them for so, sticking with Robert Morris, keep, though. <laughs> yeah. Keep your eyes peeled for a rough one Friday. I don't know. Their schedule is really hard aside, aside from this one. So I don't. I don't know what's going to happen there, but they're going to gain a lot of confidence by beating up on a team that's very. What bad. is their so, mascot? Four and one. Uh, it's it's kind of like a flying. I almost said like a flying. It's like a griffin. Oh, okay, a griffin. It looks like the um, the William and Mary <laughs> Griffin, which the CA mascots are a joke. We need to talk about that another time. Like the whatever the. Whatever that spider thing is for Richmond, that thing is hey, a freak. Like, Richmond is A-10. We just allow them into the CAA for football. Right, for football. <laughs> for that, God, that thing is so ugly. Who made that? What person thought that was what a spider Next was? Next week like? on the Jamie Sports News podcast, CAA. <laughs> What's the deal? To. Have you ever seen the um, – the, uh, this is off topic, but the other – like the early Duke oh, dog? so ugly. That, was, that thing was horrifying. God. Who thought that that was a dog? Gosh. I need to meet these people and just be like, "What is? What animals did you see as a kid? Like, why did you uh, make so many, this?" There's so many questions with them, and and like William and Mary, the tribe, and how they were the eagles because the eagles are called a tribe when they fly together, right? And like, I was like, yeah. "You're reaching on that one. You're reaching because we know we all know what you meant when you first did the tribe." That's a huge reach. <laughs> I can't. I went to a William Mary football game a few years back as Brian Shore's first start. And I went with my brother who was at law school there. And there was a kickoff. And everybody in the William Mary student section was chanting, block that kick. And I've never <laughs> been able – I've never been able to view them the same. I'm like, all right, I have no respect <laughs> for any of your athletic programs. I'm sorry. Like, what do you – and there was, like, a couple old William Mary fans, like, nearby. And they're like, you got to be kidding me. Just so disappointed. Block that kick. <laughs> Do you know how wild it'd be to watch somebody just run in front of the kickoff and like swat it down? Whole student section would have loved you it. You think but... they'd be smart for yeah. inventing waste management and all, but jeez, <laughs> just wild. But yeah, I mean, speaking of animals, the women's golf team won the Oyster Shuck Match Play Tournament for their second match play tournament Good winter for of the spring. That's yeah. not all on that's that a hell of a segue. <laughs> yeah, no, they've got two match play wins, and uh, we got a retweet. From the women's golf head coach, so we are building our brand. Shouts out to them. Thanks for the retweet, Tommy Baker. Heck yeah! What else we got? Men's tennis seven to two. They played in like a, a wind bowl the other you day. See the tweet? Yeah, it was, was like, yeah. I mean, that bubble, I guess, catches the wind real easy. Yeah, it did not seem safe. <laughs> they ended up beating Longwood to get to seven and two, and then swimming and diving. They won the CA championship for a second straight season. You know a lot more about them than I. I know do. a lot about the dive team, um, which Faith Anderson, I, I think it was Faith, had herself fantastic dive. So did Hope. So did the entire team. Yeah, I know a lot about collegiate diving now. A lot more than I thought I'd ever know. Honestly, I have a, a swimmer in one of my classes, and I talk with her all the time, and so I know a lot about the swim more than I thought I ever would in that too. Big time day for them. Nice. I William and Mary started to close the gap a little bit, and mm-hmm. I asked 
the swimmer. I was like, so what happened there? What, how did William and Mary kind of close that gap? And she looked at me and she goes, um, we got disqualified on one of the, well, they just, they got DQ'd on one of their events. And she was like, so it just looked like William and Mary was coming back, but I don't know if they really were. <laughs> Swimming scores. I was looking at like the, uh, the standings and scores over the weekend. And I was, I was very confused. Oh, it, it, it makes but... zero. Like I, looking at it and things and the, the wording of it for like we're with dive when I was trying to figure out like how good our dive team was, it was like, they scored yeah. this score, which is a zone A qualifier of the preliminary. <laughs> and I was like, so does it count? Is that good? Is zone- yeah. What does that mean <laughs> for humans? So I'd ask the coach, and the coach could explain it to me. But I was still like, I really don't get why you just don't say it the way you just told me. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, why is it so complicated? I know I like basketball. You have the ball, and you just put it through the hoop, and, and then the score <laughs> – Score goes score, up. <laughs> you shoot it from behind. In, in those sports, the <laughs> score is so objective. In dive, I learned it's that it's very subjective, which would drive yes. me crazy because I know how I am with UREC intermural reps <laughs> on the s- subjective calls. So if I got a bad score, I don't know. I think I might get a technical if you can even get those in dive. You have. You've already received a UREC technical offense. Ah, <laughs> I just out me with that one. Yeah, last season I slammed the ball down. I got a bet. I went straight up. I got called for the block. It was a bull call. But don't get me started. Oh, we know. We'll have to find the video. We'll have to dig the video up on UREC, like security cameras, and <laughs> analyze it. Goes frame by frame if I actually went straight up. Yeah. And we'll, we'll share it with everybody to give their takes. <sighs> I think that's pretty much. Men's golf finished like eighth in the tournament out of 14 teams. I don't know if that is relevant. It's relevant enough. We just said it. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all we have. Huge week of JMU men's basketball. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rule out that large berth. Who knows the way the momentum is going. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and say that Lewis Rowe is better than coach K, but I'm not going to not all say I'm it saying, based on the Oscar. All Oscar I'm games. saying is, JMU Dukes are better than the Duke Duke. No, I think that's fair. Was Zion, Zion yeah. out and the transitive property. Duke lost to right. whoever they <laughs> right. lost to, who lost to some people, and JMU beat Radford. So <laughs> exactly. So JMU basically beat Duke, and that's what it is. No, but if everyone could just go ahead and be factual in their arguments about the men's basketball team moving forward and use logic. That would be helpful for me on Twitter and to keep my temper under control. And I think, no, I'm excited to watch the rest of it all play out. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of insane the amount of sports we have going on now. We, we talked about being bored like a month ago. So now, now we've I think we're a lot of stuff kind of overwhelmed. On. Softball, baseball picking up, men's and women's basketball cooling down, lacrosse heating up, tennis is doing stuff, swimming dives over. Lots of stuff happening in the world of JMU sports. Um, between now and our next podcast, go to www.jmusportsnews.com for latest content. Um, that's always straight fire. Or uh, check out oh, yeah. our Twitter at JMU Sports News. Some of those tweets you'll be seeing might be more of me, not Bennett, since he is on a Twitter restriction as of late. I let me tell you, I was looking. Well, I read this New York Times opinion piece, people, and it talked about like 
you know, this guy who's basically addicted to his phone. So then I looked at my phone stats and they are frightening. It's according, <laughs> according to this thing, I spent like 30 hours on my phone <laughs> last week and I was like, that's disgusting. And then I looked at it more and like 13 of them were on Twitter. It's like, I spent almost as much time like sleeping as I do on my phone. That's weird. Uh, so, so yeah. Bennett's, so, my life's very so scary. the wrap up from this, Bennett's addicted to Twitter. Be factual yes. in your arguments. Check out jamiesportsnews.com, jamiesportsnews on Twitter. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. For Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. See ya. is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.